Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Just consider the chair that you're sitting in right now. Put your full awareness into the seat. Consider the softness of the seat, the comfort. Now consider the support. This seat will hold you. It's what it's designed to do. You can trust that the seat will support you. Now what I want you to do is try to make yourself lighter on the seat. Try to take some of the weight off the seat. I think if you tense, tense your abdomen, you could probably make yourself a bit lighter, get, you, get yourself off the seat. No matter how much you try to take some of the weight off that seat right now, it's not really going to make any difference. You need to give yourself fully to the seat if you want to enjoy the rest that the seat provides. Why don't you open your eyes? Has anyone got a better relationship with their seat now? You know, the people of Israel in their Holy of Holies had the Ark of the Covenant. And the lid on the Ark of the Covenant had a name. And the name of that lid was the Mercy Seat. The Mercy Seat was the place of transference of sin, where forgiveness took place. Reconciliation between God and his people. I want to suggest to you this morning that we need to give ourselves completely to his mercy. Some of us have chosen to sit in the mercy seat of the cross, but we're trying to, we're trying to make ourselves lighter. We're, trying to, we're striving to make ourselves uh, almost worthy or, or to help Jesus out with the task. And I want to encourage you this morning to give yourself fully to the support that the cross can give you. And try to take some of the weight of the cross. He says, this is all you need. There's nothing you can do that can actually help the cross out. The work is done. Jesus said it at the end. What did he say? It's finished. Stop trying to add to the work of the cross. The cross is done. The work is done. The mercy is complete. It's time for us as a church to give ourselves fully to it. We're going to preach out of Genesis chapter 45 this morning. Has anyone ever heard of someone by the name of Zaphnath Paneer? Hands up if you've ever heard that name before. One, two, three, four. Zaph- say, let's repeat that together. Zaphnath Paneer. That was Joseph's Egyptian name. When Joseph finally got to, to work in Egypt, he's the governor of Egypt, he's, and uh, the pharaoh gave him that name, Zafnath Paniah. Now, let's, we're going to start in, in Genesis 45, verse 1, which is where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. But we'll just do a big, quick backtrack. We're going to do 20 years in one minute. Joseph was loved by his dad more than all of his other brothers. 
And his love for Joseph, I think, probably wasn't to do necessarily with Joseph. It was to do with Joseph's mum, who he loved more than the other mums. And here's the problem, you know, I think that we've discovered here with having more than one wife. Um, it, it can become problematic in many different ways, and so I recommend just choose the one at a time, and um, pre- preferably one for the whole time. Um, so Joseph has a love by his dad than his, uh, more, more for, 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 for that than his other brothers. Joseph has two dreams. He has a colourful coat, and I would consider, as I read Joseph's story, he's probably not the most humble of um, people in the way that he declared things to his brothers, his dreams. Um, so his brothers uh, sold him into slavery. He was put in jail. Uh, then he interprets Pharaoh's dream, becomes governor of Egypt for seven years of boom time, and then we pick it up two years into seven years of um, drought or famine. And uh, right now his brothers have come to Egypt for supplies because they've run out of food where they are, and his, their father sent them in um, to, to, um, to Egypt to get some food. And, and when they get there, they don't recognise Joseph, but he recognises them. And Joseph plays some cruel tricks on his brothers in, you know, in their interactions uh, to, to try and see his youngest brother, Benjamin. And uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a messy little time. And, um, you know, and right now we pick it up, Genesis 45, verse 1, where Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers. Because he gets to the point, he just can't hold in who he is any longer. So it says in verse 1, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him and he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And then Pharaoh said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near. Then he said to him, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, slavery in Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry and you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And, Benjam- and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Why don't you all just fall on the person's neck next to you and, uh, and kiss them and weep for a while. And, and then we'll get back to the... 
I love the Jewish culture. You know, you fall on someone's neck. It's a hilarious act of love, isn't it? But uh, Joseph's brothers failed him, didn't they? They sold him into slavery. They hurt him like no brother you would hope would ever hurt you. They were jealous, and they did whatever they could to push him out of the family. And we see here Joseph, 20 years, 20 odd years later, he's torn, isn't he? He's torn in his heart when he sees his brothers. And when he sees his brothers, he doesn't just say, hey, it's me. He takes time. There's a back and forth, back to where they're from with their family, and there's a, you know, he's hiding, he's hiding um, stuff in their sacks and, leave, you know, and, and money, and then he sneaks his own cup into his younger brother's sack and just to st- he stirs up all this trouble. He's hurt, yet his desire for family is still strong. Sometimes we're the same, aren't we? We're hurt. Our families hurt us. But our desire for family is still strong. He hides his true identity from them. Why does he do this? Why does Joseph hide his identity from his brothers? Well, we, we literally don't know the answer to that. Um, but we can, we, can, we can make some assumptions and we can assume a lot. And when we talk about assumptions or assuming, we're probably projecting what we would do in that space. Maybe he wants to pay them back for what he did, what they did. Maybe, you know, he's, you know, maybe he's, you know, he he wants them to fear him. Maybe there's a little bit of payback. Who knows what it is? But here's the thing. Joseph, in that last 20 years, has had some transformation in his character. He's learned God's will. And his deep sense of family caused him to reveal his true self to them. The same family that sold him into slavery because of his journey with God, he has a love and a purpose and, and a transformation that caused him to let that push that to the side. It took him a little while to get there, but he pushed it aside and he revealed the true self to him. And you, we read in verse 4 and 5, it says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Here's a reality check for us. My sin and your sin sent Jesus to the cross. We sent him there. All of humanity did. But don't be grieved because what we did out of ignorance and selfishness, God used to give us eternal life. Sometimes, you know, we stumble along in life in ignorance and selfishness a lot of time just trying to survive and get the best out of every moment. And in doing that, we cause hurt. And the great hurt, greatest hurt we caused was when we put Jesus on the cross. And he's saying, it's okay. Because what, what you did out of selfishness, I've turned into the greatest gift that humanity will ever walk in. Eternal life, relationship with the Father. And as we consider this, you know, we, we get put, you know, when I read these things, you know, sometimes it, it points us or it, it reminds us of the invitation of salvation. We've done all these things and, and Jesus' sacrifice is so real, we realise that's an invitation into salvation. Sometimes this, you know, when we read these things, it's an invitation just to walk in forgiveness. 
or to walk in repentance. In fact, at some point in our lives, it's each of those things, depending on the season and the journey that we've been on. So Joseph's journey led him to a life that was unrecognisable to his brothers. 20 years after he left, his brothers sold him into slavery and they saw him again. He was unrecognisable to them. He looked like an Egyptian, spoke their language. He had an Egyptian name, Zafnath Pania. He had a powerful identity, didn't he? He had, was the second most powerful person in all of Egypt and he wasn't even Egyptian. He had a powerful identity, but his desire to reconnect with his family was more powerful. Joseph couldn't restrain himself any longer before his brothers. So he cried out to them, didn't he? He cried out, it's me, Joseph, your brother. In verse 7 he says this, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity, a future in the earth, and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Sometimes we get caught in the small story and we don't see the big story. Joseph and his brothers were caught in the small story of of each of them, you um, you know, causing hurt. The brothers were hurt because Joseph was bragging about being the favourite and having his, his coat of many colours and then dreams that they're all going to bow down to him. You know, they got upset with that and then they threw him in a pit and then said, no, let's not do that. Let's sell him to slavery. You know, so, they, so there was this, there's this back and forth hurt in our small story. And, and Joseph, after the time of transformation and a time of walking in God's will, begins to see the bigger story. You thought it was you selling me into slavery, God was sending me before you to preserve your life. I think God's inviting us into a greater story sometimes. He's saying, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes from your own story and start to look at my story. Start to look at my will. See, the question for each of us is, do you want to be well? Did you know that if you allow God's God access to your heart, he will become your mercy seat. And if you give yourself to that seat of mercy, you can become transformed, you can become redeemed, adopted, refreshed, liberated. These are things that happen when you rest in his mercy. No striving that can make you uh, any more forgiven or to get you any more of God's mercy or grace. It's actually giving all of yourself. It's taking your feet off the chair, off the ground, and actually giving you a full weight to God's mercy. And to do that, we need to ask the question, do we really want to be well? Do you want to be well, church? At the start of the service, we, we, we imagined, you know, we, we, we considered and took in our full awareness of the chair that we sat in. Softness, the comfort, the support, 
Did you know that God's mercy and grace is like that? We need to take the time to put our full awareness into God's mercy and grace, to consider his will, his magnificence, his identity as creator, the fact that he breathed life into each of us. And as we consider that, as we understand that grace and mercy was designed to liberate you, when we understand that, that's what it was designed to do, then there's a very simple task at hand to give ourselves fully to it. See, a lot of times in life we're trying to solve moments. We're trying to solve how we feel. We're trying to solve sin. We're trying to solve memory. We're trying to solve the world. We're trying to solve, solve the environment. We're trying to solve you know, government. We're trying to solve the church. We're trying to solve our families. We're so busy trying to solve things that we take our eyes off the mercy and grace of God that was designed to give you rest. Will you give yourself fully to the mercy seat of God? Will you give it your full weight? I don't know about you, but, you know, from time to time I I resonate with Joseph. I feel like I'm really close to God, but there's parts of my life that I haven't revealed the truth of myself to him yet. He knows anyway. He knows. You know, we're, we're in church, we're around Christian people, we're, we're, you, know, we're, we, you know, we feel like we're sort of part of the family. But we haven't revealed the deep truth. We're holding something back. See, you have, you have an identity that people see. Everyone sees a version of you. They see what you allow them to see. But you and I know for each of us what people see and what's deep in our heart are two different things. And the Lord's saying, will you reveal the true version of yourself to me? I believe today Jesus is saying this to us and it's straight out of Revelation chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door's yours, church. The door represents the screens that we put up. The door represents your free will. The door represents the identity that you have created or that has been given to you by others. If you open the door and you reveal the deep you to the Saviour, guess what? When you do that, there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. What's God's plan? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. God's plan is to dine with you. Maybe a gnocchi with beef cheeks. It's maybe some mascarpone, you know, and some guilt-free tiramisu for dessert. Don't you love it that the Lord's whole goal is to dine with you? 
We're, we're thinking if I crack that door open, people are going to see the real me. And that's a problem. The Lord's saying, if you crack it open, to, you send, and you're probably right with people, but do it with me because all I want to do is have some pan-fried gnocchi, some beef cheeks. What is on the menu today? Is it a... The door can be anything, church. The door can be absolutely anything. It can be hurt. It can be failure. It can be success. Sometimes the door is you've created an identity that people around you admire. People around you respect you. They think you're, they think you're a, the go-to person for advice on all these things. But you know behind that door, the real you is crying out to dine with the king of all kings. See, there's a sign on the door, and the door says, Zafnath Pania. It's not your identity, but it's what you're known by. Guess what? The Lord knows your true identity. He knows what it is. Knock, knock, knock. Standing at the door and knocking. Jesus will not barge into your life, church. It's yours to live. You can do whatever you want. You can live it as you see fit. But ask yourself the question, are you tired of walking according to someone else's life? Joseph was walking like an Egyptian, talking like an Egyptian. He was living in, with a name that wasn't his. He was in God's will. There was purpose to it. But the truth of who he was he got to the point where he couldn't hold it any longer. And Jesus is so patient. He stands and knocks at the door of your life, of your heart, and he's knock, knock, knock. Will you allow me to see the real you? He's saying to you this day. Are you ready to dine with him? Are you ready to allow his sustenance to transform you? We can't transform ourselves. We can't take any weight off the chair, church. No matter how much you try, once, once you sit on that, you cannot take any weight off that chair. You can't, you, you can't re release it from its responsibility. It's doing it anyway. You think you're helping it. You're not helping it. You just need to give yourself fully to it. Because if you're half sitting on the mercy seat, you have a sense of who God is, but you're still tired because you're not resting in his mercy. You're still in your own effort. Knock, knock, knock. You ready to reveal the real you, church? It takes 20 seconds of courage to crack the door open. You know, we read in Hebrews 4, 16, it says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is all of us, church. And we're going to sing a song in a minute. When I was talking about Jesus knocking at the door, it resonated with some of you. It resonated with you. And there's an invitation right now 
as we sing this song for 20 seconds of bold courage to get out of your chair, walk up the front. We're going to pray with you, but it's about, it's between you and the Lord. Are you ready to reveal the depths of who you are to the King of all kings, that he may come and dine with you? No shame, no condemnation, no guilt. Some of you have, have opened, you've cracked the door open before and you've seen who it is, but you've, you've still been living your own life. Some of you have been taking the weight off the mercy seat. You've tried to take it off and you haven't been able and you're tired. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're going to sing a song, church. If that's you, if you want to crack that door open today, if you want to crack it wide open to the Lord, not to each other, just to the Lord. He wants to do business with you. And guess what that business is? He wants to dine with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to transform you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to liberate you. And he wants to give you a rest like you've never experienced before. As you drive out at your Monday road, there's a sign at, the, at the, um, the gravel place there and it says, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. You ready to reveal the true self to the Lord? 22nd of bold courage. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing. And I invite you to come and take a moment with the Lord this morning a bold moment into his grace, into his mercy, and begin some fresh transformation before him. Father, we just lift up your name this morning. Lord, we're tired of carrying identity that you didn't give us. We want to reveal the truth of our heart to you, Lord. We don't trust anyone else, but we want to reveal it to you because we know that there's no condemnation in you. There's no shame in you, Father. So this morning, we surrender to your mercy seat, to your throne of grace. We give you glory. We're so grateful for the sacrifice. And Lord, where we've given a part of ourselves, when we've given bits and pieces, Lord, when, we've, when we haven't given you anything, Lord, where we've, where we've protected what people see of us, Lord, we just take a moment just between you and us. And to give ourselves to you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.